Bourbon Glazed Nonsense, Episode 2. Welcome back, everyone. Big shout out to all 20, yes, I said it, 20 of our week one listeners. Now, great news. We've heard the feedback. Everyone was telling us the entirety of the week, Cold Bell D-Town. You know, couldn't get enough of episode one, but guys, we can't handle that much great content in a single episode. An hour 40 just blew our minds, too much fire, melted our speakers, we need you to scale it back. So we heard you, we listened, we're here to learn, we're coachable. Gonna shoot for that 30 to 40 minute time frame, and we're gonna start with that update in episode two. So we'll get uh, an earful of this week, we're gonna talk about Mahomes becoming the half billion dollar man, We're going to talk about TikTok potentially being banned in the U.S. following suit of what was done in India, switching over to gaming. D-Town and I are going to go through our best three maps in Modern Warfare and give you a little insight into the most hated maps of yours truly. And switching over to a little lifestyle section, we're going to talk about golf, talking about what makes an average golfer, decent golfer, and then the unholy trinity of the worst parts of a bad round. Stay tuned. All right, Cole Bell, $500 million. Patrick Mahomes, a half billion dollar man. Oh the God. canon of the Midwest. What, 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 what do we think here? I mean, we can go into what $500 million can get you, but what do we think just straight up? Is, is, this, is this the value deal or, or not? I, I don't know. I mean, when you, when you first hear it on the cuff, half a billion dollars is just a ridiculous amount of money. I, I, I'm trying to even visualize it. Like I think, mm. I think in today's day and age with you know, online banking and Venmo and, and you know, cash is pretty much a, a thing of the past, trying to visualize how much a half billion dollars is, is just yeah. mind blowing. But I mean, I, I gotta, I gotta say, is he worth it? I think he is. I think mm-hmm. he is. I think you know, you look at you look at some of the uh, some of the up and coming quarterbacks, and I think this is obviously gonna gonna result in furthering the uh, the Mahomes Lamar debate. But yeah. I mean, if you look at if you look at some of the other ten year contracts, they were they were just as ridiculous at the time. And I don't know. Yeah. I think it. I think it makes sense, at least for Patrick. At least for Patrick. I don't know if if. You know, this trip into the Super Bowl is going to be their first and last with him because I just don't know how they're going to pay any uh, any skill players RIP <laughs> to the uh, the cap space. But yeah. yeah, great deal. They've they've locked themselves down a star. Maybe maybe Andy Reid can jump out into left tackle or something. You know, just to do the player <laughs> coach and make sure the team stays under. But I, I think I think you're right. You kind of need to look at the field and say, well, if Patrick is getting the money, who else could even potentially get it? And I don't I don't think anybody else is really worth that, I guess, investment and risk. I think he's proven himself over that at least the past two seasons, and which is a really short time frame, but those last two seasons have just been that outlandish statistically and obviously last season ending in a Super Bowl and quite frankly don't have to deal with I, I would say Tom Brady in the AFC. You've got to deal with some other contenders now. I, I think this is the right move from Kansas City. Now, is the dollar value right? I don't know. I feel like these days it's just all 
how how big of a splash can we make in the news what's a crazy number and let's just you know show the whole league that we mean business by investing in him yeah and and, and just thinking how the uh, the contract structured i mean you're you're trying to predict what salaries are going to look like and make it competitive 10 years from now i mean you had a good point that really who who else can stand up to him and i mean you know, looking at him over the past two seasons, I mean, the stats the stats are incredible, and don't get me wrong about that, but I think what's more impressive is when you watch him, how he, how he can extend plays, and I think the only other player that can even come close to him on that is not even Lamar Jackson, it's Russell Wilson, in mm. the ability to just extend plays with his feet and still be a, a pass-first quarterback even in a broken play he'll he'll find receivers you know we all talk about the left-handed throw or the no look pass but you know I think I think the the play that epitomizes Mahomes's creativity was I think it was towards the end of of his rookie season or or his I'll call it extended rookie season when he actually his first year starting and it was Mm -hmm. it was a broken play where he's rolling out to his right and he kind of just flung it out there and even you know the announcers and the camera guy panned off screen, no. and it was a strike to the corner of the end zone. No, and everyone's just like, "What the hell was that?" It was a no. broken play. Ball was getting thrown away, and he just put it in the perfect spot. I mean, he's able to to create something out of nothing like nobody else. And I think he, you know, the question of is he worth the money? I think the fact that he plays the game the way he does, where he doesn't put his body in such danger, you know, time in and time out. I think we see a lot of young quarterbacks who, especially in today's day and age, rely on their athleticism to make up for some of the, you know, lack of football IQ that comes with being an NFL quarterback or the, you know, fine tuned arm that a lot of the um, seasoned veterans have. You know, he doesn't really do that. He has, you know, just raw arm ability is second to none. You know, I think that's yeah. that's hands down. But his his knowledge of the game and his knowledge of the playbook, I think, is far surpassed a lot of the younger quarterbacks. And you know, again, is the dollar value right? He's he's like twenty four years old. He's at least top three um, for sure in the league today. I mean, you know, raw talent probably number one, but I mean, just pure production top three. And yep. I mean that's that's a lock for the next you know ten to twelve years if you're considering the ten year extension. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 a tough situation because you knew if that went to a free market, it it might have been a higher price. I mean, what would teams have paid him? And that's I think the yeah. bigger question that the Kansas City Chiefs had to answer. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think because of that question, I think the biggest the biggest loser in this contract really is the Chicago Bears moving up and picking up Mitchell Trubisky. You got to if you're a Bears fan, you got to really be kicking yourself well, and thinking. Well, 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 hold on there. Hold on there. By taking Mitch, by taking mm-hmm. Mitch, hot take here. You know, I'll I'll play the numbers game. Yep. I, did the Bears make the smarter investment because they just avoided a half billion dollar, <laughs> dollar. a yeah. half billion dollar contract yeah. by drafting Mitchie T. That I don't is know. True. Is is he as I didn't good? Think about it that way. Is he as Nowhere good? But near. he's a bargain. He's a yeah. bargain. That's like that's like going to the store and saying, "Do I want the Jordans or do I want the Pumas?" You know, <laughs> you know one's not as great as the other. 
but yeah. you know, I don't have to sell my kidney. Yeah, both are recognizable, but I'll still look fly either way, you know? So some kids will make fun of me in the Pumas. No one will make fun of me in the Jordan. So, no, I, I, I think you're right. So I think I think that, that really takes us to, is, is Lamar really the only person out there that kind of falls in this realm? And who would you rather have behind behind center right now, Lamar or Patrick? Yeah, I think, I think you know, first off, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of great talent in the league, and I think the issue is one, the 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 quarterback position is the only position that's going to garner that much money. Just overall, I think the next position to really even come close is is you know defensive end and left tackle, and mm-hmm. left tackle is just clearly not as sexy as quarterback from a from a marketability standpoint, yeah. but. You know, if you look at the quarterbacks in the league, the the thing you got to look at is not only raw talent, but the age. I mean, you're not going to give a guy who's 31. I mean, you look at Cam Newton to the Patriots. If he has a phenomenal year, he could be Mm -hmm. worth that money year over year. I mean, he could be the Patriots answer, you know, to five more Super Bowls. He's an incredible athlete with incredible arm talent. And I think if you give him, you know, the Patriots coaching staff, he could be that good. But he doesn't have... 10 guaranteed years left. Again, don't forget that Mahomes contract runs until he's 34, which is still like you're on that tail end of prime. You're not even in that like, is he retiring standpoint? And I think Lamar Jackson is the only guy young enough to have that massive of a contract. But I got to say, I don't think teams will, will invest that length of time and that price tag in him at least now. You know, if you yeah. if you look at him in the next two years, and if he's able to throw outside the numbers, and he's able to hit those out routes on the on the sideline and and keep the ball away from defenders and not have to rely so much on his feet, yeah. I think it might be a different story. Because again, he's he's a, a generational talent. Yeah. But it's just it's you know with with a heightened sense on injury and concussion, that type of play style is very dangerous. Yeah, and, and I don't know if teams are willing to put a ten-year, you know, investment um, in that type of player. Yeah, and and I'd have to agree. And the thing I'd say with Lamar is, I think he fits into a very specific type type of system where he, you know, that kind of misdirection, you know, two yeah. tailbacks and himself, you know, the whole. You have six different mesh points. The guard is pulling. And by that time, you know, if you're in the defensive line, uh, you might as well just stop looking and just try and run straight. Just, you know, put your head down and see if you pop out of a hole and then pray to God that Lamar is not spinning around in circles and putting you on, you know, sports center top 10 over the week. But I, I and that kind of brings the, the point you ended with. It's if he gets hurt, that kills, I would say, you know, 70, 80 percent of his value. Whereas Mahomes, I I do agree that his his ability to move around is important to him. But that arm strength and his ability to place a ball fairly accurately, accurately, very deep downfield, I think is is a lot more important to him than than the legs. And I think he showed that a little bit in the in the Super Bowl where he calmed down towards that tail end of the of the fourth quarter and he almost was a pocket ca- pocket passer until um you know a couple of 
third and tens where he just had to make something happen. And even then he was upset at his receivers, Mm -hmm. just trying to say, get open for me. I want to find you out there. I don't want to be the one running. So yeah, I, I think, I think Lamar is the only other person in that spectrum of should that investment happen to anyone else, but I don't think Lamar is worth it yet. And it would be a much greater risk with him. So let me hit you with one from left field here. You know, I know we've been Mm -hmm. talking about guys currently in the NFL and and who's worth it. Is Lamar worth it? Let's look at guys who haven't even played yet. Um, Okay. And I'm not even going to look at, you know, this year's draft. I'm going to look at actually, you know, one guy from this year's draft. I'm going to look at two guys and I'm going to get your your thoughts on if they could potentially be worth the money. One, a healthy Tua. You you mm-hmm. you go back in time. You have a you have a uh, a time machine. He doesn't get injured. He goes in this year's draft. Unanimous number one overall pick in 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 my opinion. A healthy Tua, no injury, or an NFL Trevor Lawrence. Are either of those guys in your mind of what you've seen capable of a half billion dollar contract? So I think because I know where Tua is in Miami, I think Tua could have that potential just looking at the weapons that he has. I think Devontae Parker is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL right now. Albert Wilson is always great for that random streamer in a fantasy week where he's going to score six touchdowns for you know 9,000 yards and then not show up the next game. So I, I think... Just looking at the, and I think Mike Gesicki and some some of the running game mm-hmm. might be able to develop there too. So I think it would really depend on where does Trevor Lawrence go. And I think if Trevor Lawrence has at least a deep threat and the ability to have a decent running uh, running game, I think I think you would look at that as a as a worthwhile investment. If he goes to somewhere like the Patriots. I don't think it's worthwhile investing that much money up front unless the Patriots surround him with talent, unless any team surround them with talent, because as great as they are, you kind of need somebody to throw it to. Yeah, I just, so I think the whole Trevor Lawrence to the Patriots is dead um, ever since they signed <laughs> Cam, to be to, to be quite honest, because I think, and I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's anything against Trevor and, and what the coaching staff envisions right now. I, I wholeheartedly believe Cam is going to be successful in the Patriots organization. Mm-hmm. I think between the players around him and I think the coaching staff, I do think is it pains me to say this. It really does. I think Cam is going to be successful in New England. And I think yeah. I think the Patriots have at least five years in them. And I think this okay. year is going to show that. And I don't think... Now, again, th- this may be Belichick's grand plan of, of having kind of an Aaron Rodgers situation where he's able to have Trevor Lawrence sit behind a Cam Newton for four years. But I I just think Cam's success is going to pull the Patriots out of a position to get Lawrence unless they trade mm-hmm. away the house for the number one pick, which if you're getting success out of Cam, I, I just don't yeah. think it makes sense. I, I and And that's the thing. I think you brought it up right there is the weapons around them, I don't think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be on a team and, and in the position to have the monster numbers that, that uh, no. geez, I forgot his name already, Patrick Mahomes has. Patrick you Mahomes. know, he, he, got, he got brought into an organization where he has, you know, arguably one of the best receiving cores, if not the best receiving core 
in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, he's got guys, obviously Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Um, yeah, when Sammy we're Watkins about Nicole, is like yes. your yeah, when like the Watkins, third or Nicole fourth Harman, option. I mean, these guys are just fucking burners. Yeah, and then you know you had you had um, you had Kareem Hunt. They've yep. had like four running backs that came out of nowhere on a, on a weekly basis and just lit up the scoreboard. You look at Joe yep. Burrow this year. Joe Burrow was a, a a star in LSU. I mean, he's a he's he's a great down to earth guy. He's going to be super marketable. He's going to have no professional, you know. Other than AJ Green, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, is he, is AJ Green even going to be a, a viable receiver going forward? So yeah. I think it's it's the perfect storm for Mahomes in that he's he has the talent and he's also in an organization that has the tools around him at least right now, at least at the yeah. time where they were able to sign the contract, he's able to get those monster numbers. Agreed. And speaking of monster numbers, I'll leave you with this on one note. And I got to ask, you know, I think. Everyone's trying to visualize this 500 billion. I think a lot of people are asking, what would you do with 500 million? What would you do for 500 million? You know, <laughs> me, knowing me, there's not a lot I wouldn't do for 500 million. But putting yeah. you on the spot, what would you not do for 500 million dollars? Yeah, that's that's tough. I think I think the 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 one thing that just comes to mind as you're speaking of that, and you know, throwback to like sports science or whatever they were that show. I don't know if you remember that that yeah. ESPN had for a hot minute, but and and Sue in his prime went full out and tackled the anchor of that show. Just you know, pads on. and yep. and Sue had a five yard running start. I think that's the one thing I would not do is get hit. With you know just standing there and letting Dominic and Sue have at me from five yards away, I think that's where I draw the line because I oh, might not crazy. be able to be you're crazy. be alive for five hundred million. You're crazy. I do it for less than a million. That's that's easy. Less than a million, I do it for. <laughs> you know, and and that's the thing. It, it I I've been pondering this for like a week. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to think like what wouldn't I do? And it it's 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 cr- like there's one thing that I it always comes back to. And it's mm-hmm. not football related. It's not sports related. It's it's not. I, I wouldn't kill a puppy. That's the uh, like the only thing I can yeah. think of. The only thing like hands yeah. down. I'm like, what would you mm-hmm. not do for half a billion? I wouldn't kill a puppy. Couldn't do it. Yeah. No amount of yeah. money. It's probably a, the only thing I wouldn't do. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a that's that's spot on. I think I think you've got there. I, I kind of take back my getting hit by <laughs> Dominic and Sue. Bring them on. I'll take them on. I won't kill a puppy. But uh, I did want to add that for the viewers at home, for the 20 of you that are still awake, uh, if you're curious, because Patrick Mahomes is a big fan of ketchup, you can purchase about 636 million pounds of ketchup at a wholesale rate. Uh, you know, he could he could be swimming in a lot of ketchup for the rest of his life. Or our personal favorite, Arrowhead Stadium is valued at $500 million. You could just buy the stadium that Patrick Mahomes is going to perform in. Oh my God, that's a crazy thought. You know, if you yeah. also had five hundred million dollars, you could also uh, you could also purchase our first theoretical sponsor. Mm, yes, good segue. Great segue. Great segue. On to our first ad read of the evening. This is brought to you in part by Pied Piper peer-to-peer cloud-based decentralized hosting and data transfer network. I don't even know what the fuck I just said. Nor does Cold Bell, but maybe he does, and he can explain it to you, but only if you Venmo him $20 or send us some money so that we can keep running this podcast forever and ever. 
And on to technology, hot topic of the day, TikTok. Now, don't worry to all six of you still listening, we are not running through our favorite TikToks. That's a episode five, episode six, when you're already bought in and we we know we can't lose you, we're gonna bring in mm-hmm. some garbage like that. But no, what we're talking about yeah. today is the Trump administration announcing that they are considering banning TikTok in the US along with other Chinese-based applications. You know, Detail, what's your, what's your initial thoughts on hearing that? So so I have I have two things and, and I had you explain this to me a little bit, you know, as as all things technology <laughs> go, because you're the real engineer amongst the two of us. I'm I just like how you said engineer with air quotes there for our listeners. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just and I'll put air quotes, a consultant. So, um, you know, but here, here there's two parts to this one. I understand a deeper investigation into what are they collecting, right? So I think the government does have a role to play in if an application is stealing data without asking permission for it. And if it's, you know, information that the application itself doesn't really need to know. For example, I know location is a hot topic for a lot of people and that that we can go back and forth on. But is it identifying keystrokes? Is it identifying pin codes? You know, I think that's a line that we need to investigate and see if it's to that level. And if it's not, I, I personally don't don't see why, because I think the other half of this is I don't think people realize how much of their data is probably already out there, I don't, it's I, whether it's China, North Korea, our government, somebody else's government. I, I think that's that's the weird line that we kind of need to balance. If it's stealing data, if it's kind of irrelevant, who really cares? Because it's probably out there already. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point you bring up. It's, it really begs to begs the question of whose whose responsibility is it to make that decision of of what's okay to put out there and and what's not. I mean, you know, it, it unfortunately once you get you know the the political folks involved in in situations like this, it's it's what are the motives behind it? You know, it's it's the entire the entire term of the of the. <clears throat> of 45 has been, you know, China's mm. this kind of mythical, mythical evil that's that's really yeah. causing some pending doom. And I, I don't I don't think there's enough hardened evidence at this point to say TikTok is a is a danger to the users. I mean, for again, all this is all based on what I've read and, and what's out there and, and kind of what's in the public space. The, the TikTok North American user base from a, from a data hosting perspective is within the US. They have an American CEO and the backup for all of that is Singapore. So yeah. that being said, like you said, we need to understand what's actually being collected by China, by the Chinese entities that are at power, whether it's the government, whether it's the the owners and 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 parent company of TikTok, but we don't know that. You know, I think one of the biggest fears of the common user is is my webcam or my phone cam or my microphone being hacked. I mean, it's it's yeah. like you said, what data is already out there? You know, you talk mm-hmm. about a car or you talk about buying a set of golf clubs magically amazon has some targeted ads right for you <laughs> i didn't type that yeah. in so so mm-hmm. a lot of this is already going on 
And it just seems like the powers that be are trying to jump on this with this, you know, it's, it's been about eight years, this just fear of China to advance their agenda. And I'm afraid that once the government starts getting in the position of censoring what applications are available to the user space, we really start infringing on the freedom of, of data and the freedom of data transfer. I mean, who's who I'm afraid that this sets a dangerous precedent because if they can censor TikTok, what else can the censor, what else can they censor? What else can they say we can and can't use now? I understand there are bits of security and, and whether it's a national or, or security on a personal level. I also think the problem is that the people making these decisions are not knowledgeable of the issues. And I think that's a, that's an even more dangerous game when you have folks with that power making that decision who are unfamiliar and uneducated on the topics. Yep. Yeah, and and I really like how you reference the man is forty five. So I think we should run. The, <laughs> we're on with that. I think I, I you know I'll, I'll go two ways. One, I'll go the serious way, and then I'll then I'll try and add some comedy to this. But I think this is the same conversation around five G towers. We don't allow Huawei to make our five G yeah. towers because they're a Chinese company, and there's this fear that China will steal the data or be able to cripple your wireless infrastructure or cellular infrastructure just with the flip of a switch and you know it's interesting and you you talk about it as this boogeyman for the world but have we ever seen a real version of that happen i don't know about you and maybe it's just because we're young and you know we haven't experienced some of the you know the big news moments of you know the the man in tianmen square or something like that in front of the tank I, I personally have never seen the Chinese government reach outside of their own country and really launch some massive crippling attack that's going to bring down a whole infrastructure. So that's my two cents is, okay, you know, I know it's the boogeyman and I think the UK actually ended up allowing Huawei to take part in part of their 5G networks, but we have zero, uh, you know, uh, Huawei equipment here. and. We're paying a price for it because their equipment is cheaper. And from what I understand, their technology is just up to the standards of Nokia and others making this technology. So, um, you know, that's kind of the price we're paying for it. But I have a way to solve this. Oh, and I, and and I and you know to to our 20 listeners, if you guys are still with us or if the six of you are still awake, hear me out. We take. The head of TikTok, I have no idea who he is because we don't do research because we're a professional (laughs) podcast. And we take 45 and we televise this as a pay-per-view debate, Fight Island, sit them down. (laughs) The head of Huawei has to explain the technology and 45 has to find the legal part of the U.S. Constitution or any type of transmission or technology law to say you're breaking our law we can't have you and it's a winner take all so if if we and we vote on it on tiktok obviously not anywhere else so you know we vote on it on tiktok i don't know if you can even do that because i don't have the app because i'm an ancient person but that's how we do it we live stream it pay-per-view fight island get it done 45 versus the head of tiktok so so really what i took away from that comment last episode our fix for baseball was create mm. UFC baseball. Our, yep. This episode, our fix for TikTok and the <laughs> political system is create UFC 
mm-hmm. U.S. versus China. So really, I think what we're getting to is we're going to have a recurring theme of what can we yep. introduce concussions into <laughs> and what can we create a contact sport out of? Because clearly, concussions have concussions have bled out of the sports section of this podcast yeah. I mean, into I've, technology. We've made technology a contact sport. I mean, think about it. You know, ESPN has the audacity to charge $100 for a pay-per-view event, and then, you know, Masvidal is eating pizza before the fight. So it's like, is this man even caring? Because I'm caring with my $100. But think about it. Would you pay $100 to see Joe Biden go after it in a Democratic debate against Bernie Sanders, cage style? You know, a question gets popped out. And if the candidates don't agree, they have to wrestle for a minute. You know, if you can pin someone down, you earn a point and their point becomes null and valid. It's like stricken from the record. I would I would 100 percent pay 100, if not more than that. Let me let me Mm -hmm. one up you. And would you pay 200 to see 45 in the octagon with Daniel Cormier? No, no debate. No debate. Just 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 full on three round fists. Let's. Let's let's do it. You get forty five and Colby Covington on one side. It's it's duos. Forty five and Colby Covington plus Kamaru Usman and D- DC. Because I yeah. think DC DC and forty five are about the same size. So I think <laughs> I think like it 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 all evens out. Oh. Hey Dana White, if you're one of the twenty people listening, call us up. We we've just got incredible ideas. We we are we we fix baseball. We fix the yep. political system. Now we're now we're fixing the UFC, which is which isn't even broken. We're that yeah. good. We're fixing things mm-hmm. that aren't even broken, and that's a hell of a that's a hell of a TikTok right there. I mean, Snapchat yep. has the swipe up. I don't know what TikTok has. If it has a swipe up, if it has a a story feature, I don't have TikTok, and I think you said you don't. Nope. I, no idea. And I I don't understand why. Like no. I have Instagram, I have Snapchat. It all has that like recurring story or or people posting different videos. Hell, on on Instagram, people are now reposting TikToks. Yep. So why That's is my- there why is there such this bias toward TikTok from like from me, you there's so many people and I, I hate to use the term my generation because I'm not <laughs> I, I don't I don't have enough life under my belt to, to say my generation. But or identify as it. Why <laughs> yeah. is it? Why is it so cringy to me when a few years ago I was all in on Vine? Like there's yeah. no difference. Yeah, and it, okay, so I will say there's a big difference, and it's we were younger when that technology came out. So I feel like the people who adopted Facebook and Instagram looked at Vine were like, "What the fuck is seven seconds <laughs> going to give me?" Right? Like this is not enough. And and I think, and I messaged our, our you know our, our group of friends this once. I think we've gotten to that point in our lives, and we might be in denial, where the younger generation has come out with that technology that we will never understand, never use, and for the only reason of that we're just uncomfortable by it. We don't know it well enough, so we can't adopt it. Like, you know, Instagram makes sense. It's pictures digitally in a feed. Got it. TikTok is videos and dances and political rallies, and it's It's just like... There's there a limit on what I can do? Do I need to work up a sweat? You know. Yeah, but it's 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 it? videos. It's videos digitally in a field. That's Instagram. Yeah, but 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 the thing the thing there is though is I feel like Instagram's a safe platform for us. We we've gotten used to it. We've we've grown up with it. It's just that TikTok came out of it came out of China. You know, <laughs> maybe we're just afraid of China. <laughs> 
So that's that's the exact kind of commentary that my my dad uses to justify not using online banking. Mm. I grew up with it. I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> I don't understand it. So we're like, as as there's new generations behind us, we're just young boomers. Yeah, that's we're what ju- we are. We're just, we're just boomers that know how to use an iPhone is what I'm yeah. getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I think we're just waiting, <laughs> waiting for the moment that somebody says "Okay, boomer" to us, and you know we have to grab grab our life alert bracelet or something. Oh my god, that's a that's a scary realization. Yeah, we're just old. You know what's not a scary realization though? This next theoretical sponsor. This episode of Bourbon Glaze Nonsense is partly brought to you by Los Pollos Hermanos. With chicken slow-cooked to perfection, their secret blend of spices is so addicting, it'll have you thinking, this has to be illegal. But they can guarantee you there's no meth in any of their secret recipe. What we can't guarantee is that this podcast will not stop asking for money. Please, please, sponsor us. Cole Bell, the, con- the continued frustrations of Call of Duty and our, our you know pursuit of trying to be above average but not really ever understanding we're going to be mediocre for life this is a frustrating week of call of duty for me i don't know about oh you Oh boy i mean it's all every day of call of duty. every day of life is frustrating <laughs> call of duty is supposed to be my relief um mm-hmm. i can't leave the house you know we're gonna get sick we're gonna die so call of duty yep. is supposed to be that escape and it just causes me more pain so i'm a glutton for punishment so yeah it's yep. been a great week for call of duty yeah, so I'll I'll go through my stats and I and you know I'm gonna throw asterisks out there. I think I could have performed better, but I was chasing something. So I I mostly played multiplayer this week and mm-hmm. sitting at a rough point eight KD. That's Oof. just that's that's tough Oof. to look at. But the win loss ratio is one point one four. So you know I'm sucking it up, but my team's carrying me. Team's carrying me. So yeah, yeah, but but we. Oh God, that's a that's a scary thing to start caring about win loss ratio. I I can't even I I refuse to even open that tab of this ridiculous app I just downloaded that tells me my Call of Duty stats for the week. I yeah. I can't even go there. I'm sitting at about as close to one as you can get. I'm two fifty six and two fifty eight on kills mm. and deaths for the week. But uh, yeah, again, I was playing a lot of multiplayer, just trying to relieve some stress, and and it didn't do the job. Because damn it, COD is just so COD is just so frustrating, and I don't even want to talk about Warzone because my biggest frustration is is one hundred percent related to to Warzone, specifically solos, because this doesn't happen as much in trios and and quads. Because again, like you said, my team carries me. I suck. My team is mm-hmm. is close to decent, so they're able to like <laughs> you know they're able to pick up uh, uh, my slack. I, no. I land on the same building in Quarry every game. And I think you know the exact building because you're like yep. the only person I play with because I have three <laughs> friends. So I don't know how the hell this podcast had 20 people listen, but that's a separate conversation. Yep. But we land on the same building in the back of Quarry. And I feel comfortable saying this because there's not nearly enough listeners that I will ever encounter any of you in Call of Duty. <laughs> so no one will ever get my strategy. No one will ever kill me on this building. It is the nope. building in the northmost of Quarry, which sets up what I think is a nice path to get your guns, get a little isolated from society. 
Then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, some asshole releases a guide or some some new strat on, hey, yeah. shit, quarry's lit. Go get stuff there, mm-hmm. and you're going to be set for the game. Now, all of a sudden, every solos match, 14 people land on this building, and yeah. I look like one of the three blind mice when I'm using a pistol. <laughs> and I land on the roof. First of all, there's always that one asshole shooting you out of the air. So I land yeah. with one of my shields already uh, already uh, uh, down. And I land and, and, you know, I'm always in, I'm in this like stuck between a shit and a fart where I'm like, do I go get a gun or do I just shoot him now? Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, when I go look for a gun, I open the chest and it's a gas mask, dead silence and sniper <laughs> ammo. And I'm like, oh, great. So next time I'm like, okay, let me just shoot at him. And I land yep. and I shoot and I get four shots in there and he's cracked and he picks up a foul and, and kills me with a headshot. So it's a yeah. lose-lose. And then I go mm-hmm. to the gulag and my mind is out of it and I start to spray paint <laughs> in the wall because that's my new thing. That's my new thing in gulag. We could, we could talk about that a bit later. There is nothing more fun than people taking this game seriously and, and you see them shadow boxing in the corner in the gulag warm up and I'm spray painting hearts on the wall, like just going around and then like they'll come in and try to punch me and I spray paint them. So now they're like yellow for the rest of the game. But so I go oh, into the gulag God. and of course in season four, all of all of the gulag is snipers only. So it's like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm already dead. I don't even use the gun anymore. I just go fists. Like I have not used a gun in the gulag in about a month and a half. And then oh, I die. And the ga- yep. I, I come in 141st or 138th <laughs> and yep. the game has lasted longer than the loading screen. Because there's a loading screen, then there's the pre-lobby, then there's the loading screen. So it, so it took me two and a half minutes to get in a lobby, get myself psyched up, plan this out, and I'm dead in about yep. 48 seconds. Yep. Yeah, I have, it's, it's I don't tough. rage quit, I don't like to rage quit, but I have one TV, and it's on the yeah. wall, and I can't <laughs> break that TV, and it gets bad. It gets very bad to the point where the people living with me are, are very upset with me in real life because of my frustrations <laughs> with this virtual world. This is not healthy. This is horrible. What am oh, I doing to man. myself? <laughs> well, I, I can I can I can understand the frustration, especially in that back building. I think I think it was a couple days ago where we played together and I just couldn't open the parachute to save my life at the right time. Three or four times, three or four oh games in a God. row, in fact. Just land on and and i feel like i feel like we need to discuss with call of duty to put in like hey 20 meters am i am i gonna die 30 meters am i gonna die what is what is the number like where can you fall from because clearly the game's not based in logic because you can drive a truck off a cliff and you're (laughs) fine no damage but someone shoots your tire the truck explodes you have unlimited parachutes like the guy has 176 parachutes (laughs) in his backpack but if i land from 12 feet as opposed to six feet i die i don't even break a leg don't even even get i don't even get hurt i die yeah maybe that's what we need maybe that's what we need to introduce is that there's another threshold where if you cut it too close and you're coming in too hot it just takes your shields away and your health away yeah. down to like down to like one. So you have to like panic for a hot second. Like, am I going to die immediately? If Captain but it gives Price, you a chance. if Captain Price is one of our seven listeners, you have yeah. a lifelong standing invitation to hop on this podcast and explain to me <laughs> how to kill people, 
how do I win Warzone? I have come in second so many times. Just so tell me many. how to win. Captain Price or someone good. Someone, mm-hmm. if this if this somehow gets to the, Nick the Marks. Spotify feed of a professional yeah. player or a streamer with over 100,000 subscribers, I will yeah. pay you to be on this. I, that's, mm-hmm. that, is a, that is a promise. To and tell, we'll, we'll to turn coach this, me. We'll, we'll turn this into a video podcast and show you a video lesson with Nick Merckx and just be like, hey, he taught us how to actually be decent at this game. And watch us still fuck it up. Oh, yeah, probably still. <laughs> we'd, be his, we'd be the biggest disappointment ever, which goes into what I'm trying to do. So I watched Nick Merckx's uh, stream the other day, and I, I only watched it for about 10, 20 minutes. Sorry, Nick, but uh, it was during during the work day and it was the lunch hour so i was just trying to take my mind off some engineering and and i saw that he has a new gun which he's just melting people with and he's like guys listen to me this is the best gun in the game and it's a variant of the bruin so i'm like all right next i'm gonna hop on i'm gonna go play with the bruin sit down turn on the xbox go to you know set up my lmg class Bruin's locked. Even though I've used the Bruin 10 trillion times in Warzone, I can't have it in multiplayer or in my class. So I'm like, all right. Didn't even well, know it was cool. unlockable. Yeah, I did. See, there we go. So I'm like, what, what's the challenge to do it? And this this is what just drove my KD down the shitter this week is you need to get three kills in 15 games of people next to smoke or near smoke. Huh. Near smoke. Not in the smoke, not not away from the smoke, near it. And it doesn't give you, again, same thing, not five meters, not ten meters. Like if I throw smoke on top of myself and I shoot from inside the smoke to outside the smoke, does that count? I don't even know. So I was that guy in multiplayer games running around with an LMG like an asshole throwing smoke everywhere. And it also took me about ten games to think, hmm, Maybe I should use a thermal sight so I can see through this. Because what I was doing was throwing the smoke and waiting for somebody to walk out of it. And that wasn't really working well. Because I was like, okay, maybe in the smoke doesn't count. Maybe it's near, so I need to be able to see the guy come out of it. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm dealing with. Is there any definition of what near smoke means? No, I don't think... if again, if somebody who plays this professionally, which also brings me to another point, do we really think Nick Merckx is hopping off on the stream, you know, doing this? He's not. So, do we think Nick Merckx is offline unlocking a Bruin because you can't buy it? You have to do it through the challenge. So, do we really think Nick Merckx on his off hours is like, yo, I'm gonna hop on multiplayer and melt some kids near smoke until I can unlock this gun? I feel I feel like he had I feel like there's got to be someone who's good enough to do that. I mean, no. that's just an asinine like unlock criteria. That's like in the season four yep. update, they're gonna unleash unleash a new uh, SMG where you have to get thirty kills where the user, not the not the avatar, the user that you killed has green eyes, and that's how you unlock the new uh, the wow. new AX twelve one sixty two. There you go. That's just. <laughs> how, how am I supposed to know? I'm in war, dog. Like, what am I supposed to? Hey, hey, can can you take your visor off? Ah, your blue eyes. Never mind. You're yeah, good to go. Yeah. I'm not gonna well, I mean, shoot it's, you. It's, I mean, that's that's as much of a guess as is he near smoke? Is he is he far from yeah. smoke? Is he near smoke? Is he medium near? Like, what the hell does yeah. that mean? Exactly. Oh my exactly. god. Exactly. Which which you know, I think we could turn this into a business. Hey, Nick Merckx, if you need somebody to unlock your guns 
at a very slow rate, we'll do it. You know, yeah, he would. He would not. Nick, for for professional advice, if you are going to hire people, <laughs> do not hire us. Do not hire us. Unless you want to see all the ways that we're bad at COD. Like, if you want to see the other side of Call of Duty, just like, what do dumb people do at COD? <laughs> so so I do I do want to shift to a more positive note, because we actually, like, as much as, as hard as it is to believe, we do like this game. Yeah. I mean, there is there are some redeeming factors. So I do, I want to talk about the best three maps, according to, to D-Town and Cold Bell, and then a bonus of, again, bringing it back to reality. You know, we hate life. There's a, there needs to be some cynical aspect to this. What is the worst map um, in the game? So I'm going to rattle off my top three here, and, and, and I'd love to hear your top three following. But in this order, my top three in this game are Rust, Shoot House, and Cave. So I think the, the maps I like are very consistent with my play style of zero skill and run around <laughs> and hopefully you pull the trigger before some guy i mean mm. rust is rust is open area with yep. kind of you got that central uh high rise uh uh with the with the perch up top and then there's kind of the the few containers around the edge but i love to like own that back um, i'm trying to think of how to describe it, that back corner with the uh the cement barricade where you yep. got the 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 crate to your right, and then you got the uh, that little pipe system to your left, and you can kind of yep. go back and forth because everyone loves to like run up the uh, run up to the perch and got a perfect angle to take them out, and it's just a great open map, but it's not as much of a shit show as um, as shipment shipment, yeah. and then going down to shootout. Shootout is great because it's again another small map and it forces you to move. And there's yep. an ability, what I love about it, there's an ability to avoid the campers. Because everyone yep. loves to go in that like middle building, but you yep. really only you only get hit by them as you run around from that one side, typically where uh where B is in domination, and you go yep. back into the open side by the uh by the two barricades to the right. If you avoid that, there's really no camper threat. And again, it's just a free-for-all run around running gun. Yeah. And finally the cave. You know, the cave has a lot of nooks and crannies, but I love how there's almost this gentleman's agreement amongst all players of like, hey, we're not <laughs> going to be assholes. We're going to go to the cave. Like, it's yep. called the cave. We're going to fight in the cave. Now, yep. the reason it's the reason it's not higher in my mind is because aerial killstreaks are essentially useless. Yeah. Utterly useless. And the only, like, the only killstreak I've ever seen that actually gets kills is the Wilson. And I'm okay with okay. it because it's adorable, but it's <laughs> it's it's almost like a, a positive and a negative is like every kill you earned, like you yourself earned. And on the flip side no. is like there's there's no like seven extra easy kills with the VTOL. So yeah. it if there was a way to get better kill streaks in Cave, it would probably be two, but for that fact it's three on my list. Yeah. So I have it number one on my list, actually. And, well, because you're and a gamer and you like the purity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I. So I like it because you can't use the kill streaks because it, it really, you know, you're a gamer. they're, they're. Well, I'm not a gamer. No, don't, don't say that. Um, it, you know, you get to the point in some maps, especially like Rust, which like. If somebody gets a VTOL and and a, and a chopper gunner, which I, I have accidentally stumbled into doing that once, 
you just can't do anything because the VTOL is killing anything that's trying to shoot the chopper gunner down. The chopper gunner is shooting everybody that the VTOL <laughs> that's shooting at the VTOL. So it's just like, you know, you have nowhere to hide in that map either. So I feel like the cave really minimizes the ability. Although I did one time, and this is, you know, on some Instagram post, see somebody drive a Predator missile into the cave. They, you know, flew it all the way down low and pulled it right up through the entrance and drove it in, which is incredible. And I live for that moment that I can do it once. Jesus. But um, yeah, I like cave because of that gentleman's agreement. Everyone's in the cave. Everyone's kind of in that alleyway. You can get outside for a little bit. But yeah, uh, that's that's my preference. And then shoot house is number two, which it is for both of us. And I, I like I think I think what I like is those direct alleyways of combat. I think shoot house has those on, you know, the east and west side of the map. It's just like. You're going to come out and somebody's either camping down, you know, by the wood houses on the backside of shoot house or by by the other side where there's the cargo containers. And it's just it's kind of cyclical unless you go down the middle where, you know, those assholes are just sitting there and sniping, which really, really fucking sucks. But but the good part about those campers that are sniping down the middle is if you press hard enough down one of the sides and get a couple kills and you can you know swing around back and those people are just mounted aim down sight and you can't they don't know that you're there so you get at least one or two easy kills um and then i'll say sawmill and again that same thing that alleyway and sawmill on the on the left side of the map uh if if you start away from from the actual mill and then the right side if you're in the actual burning side but I love sawmill. I don't know what it is. There's just so many different angles of approach. There's high and low points. There's camping points. It's just overall a great mix of things. And I like that it's 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 very different from all the other maps. Yeah, sawmill is a sneaky, interesting one. It almost, and this might be just a wild take, it reminds me of a better version in terms of the map layout. It reminds me of a better version of like uh, St. Petrograd. Mm-hmm. In terms of you got those like two sideways with with a, a centralized focal point with a few windows that are open to that middle, but I think it's it's way better because it doesn't force you down kind of that linear linear path because yeah. that's that's what I think makes a bad map, um, and I think you know no one no one is going to disagree here and, and you shouldn't that Piccadilly is the worst map in the game. It is, it oh, is yeah. camper Easily. central. People were people were able to camp on on cranked, which is like anti camper mode. So I'm not even going to worry about that. That's that's universal. I think Euphrates Bridge is the most frustrating map in the game, <laughs> and not because like you have to be a sniper and I suck at sniping. Like I could I could respect as much as I as much as I bitch and moan when I get sniped. If you snipe me in open area because I'm not behind cover, I'm running out like an asshole, that's yep. fine. Power to you, you have skill. Euphrates Bridge forces you down <laughs> be good. one of two lanes. Forces you down one of two lanes and if you start on one side where you can basically sit in the corner of like a, a, a concrete wall and you just mount your gun, there's no way to avoid it. There's yep. no pos- and in like real war, you would just airstrike that. Now, in real war, you'd probably do a lot different than you would do in Call of Duty. <laughs> but there's just there's no way to escape the line of sight of a sniper. There's no there's no alternate path. There's no way to be tactical. It's it's just 
forces you right into that snow. Like you can see the glint and there's nowhere nowhere to get off path. It, nowhere is, to a, hide. it is a horrible map because of that. You look at Hovac, you look at even St. Petrograd, you look at a lot of the other maps and there's it's it's not just this short linear linear runway where you have to just run to your demise. Yeah. Yeah, and and I I think I'm with you, but I I pick one side of Euphrates is the worst because I happen to have my best performance ever in COD at Euphrates and I can't tell you which side it is because I can't be clear enough with my descriptions, but to snipe from the side that has the burnt down cars, not snipe from the building. And and if you can get into a rhythm there, it's pretty hard to stop, especially if you can cross the bridge and go into people's spawns. I think people just aren't ready for having people in their own spawn that's an enemy. And they'll just run past you and be like, oh, that's just my own guy running backwards towards spawn. That's just cool. Um, but yeah, Piccadilly definitely hands down the worst map on this planet. Worst. God, P- Piccadilly. Just thinking about it, it it just starts giving me indigestion. That I I, I need to. <laughs> I almost need to cut it right there. And yep. and I think we need to go to the next ad read before I just start getting animated and potentially break my <laughs> microphone, uh, cutting cutting the entire uh, the entire recording off. This podcast is brought to you in part by S Hudson Paper Products, introducing paper. Paper for women, soft to the touch, smells incredible, just like the money you could send us to keep running this podcast. All right, this brings us to our to our last segment, talking about our lives. And, you know, today we've picked the topic of golf. And leading into the conversation from, from Call of Duty, I feel like golf is kind of the same. We, 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 have, we have a lot of frustration. We think we're really bad at it. Are we really bad at it? Are we average? We don't really know. But, you know, Cole Bell, tell me about your 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 week of golf. I know you've been out to the links a couple times. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I played. I had the opportunity to play a few times uh, this week, and it's very similar to Call of Duty. You know, you, you go into it, you got high expectations or high hopes of your performance, and it completely goes downhill from the first shot. And I like how you know you could use the term shot like my first shot in Call of Duty or my first stroke <laughs> in uh, in golf, but it's it's I, I I I don't have a sense of like should I be as upset as I am? Like I get golf is a frustrating sport in general, but I can't tell like as an average or an or a, just a weekend golfer if I'm that bad or if I am like that shitty. Like my mm-hmm. only frame of reference is what I see on TV, which is just a fucking pipe dream, and the people around me who are are I, I think decent, average. No. I, I I don't know. They know terms. They they uh-huh. they know I hit X club X yard. No. But like, what I don't really what makes like a an average like how can you as a as a golfer feel good about your game good enough to like go with new people or, or pay to try a new course. Like if you break a hundred, is that like this like threshold for, you know, I'm average. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think I think for me, I, I I try and avoid the score unless unless you know I played a few rounds in the year, which I unfortunately in the hundred and four degree heat in Austin, Texas, have have missed some of that opportunity for. But I think what I look for in a solid round and a solid golfer, if we get paired with somebody else, is just. How many times are you hitting the shot like I am where you hit the hit the ball and you're just like, where the fuck did that ball go? Because it didn't go straight. You know that. And it <laughs> went at some straight. random angle that you have no idea where it went. So I think what makes it a decent and average golfer is the radius or I guess the angle from your shot that you hit. So I think if you can you know, funnel it down lower and lower to a more straight, you know, kind of trajectory then. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing uh, some some hand movements here that, you know, the podcasters obviously can't see. But imagine 45, imagine 45 doing his little hand movements where he's kind of attempting to clap, but he doesn't actually clap. And he's just kind of waving his hands back and forth. I like how you said the- little hands. <laughs> <laughs> subconscious but you know that that's 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 what he's doing and and, you know you're trying to minimize that angle so that you're no longer hitting in this full 100 and i will say full 180 degree spectrum because i have hit a ball dead right and dead left i've hit a ball in between my legs i've hit it in between my stance it's just like i think the closer and closer you get to aiming in like 20 degrees in variation that that that's what makes you more of an average golfer not your score so is it is it where you hit the ball? Because I think, I, you know, I like to think of success as a golfer as how many balls do I lose? So lose, even if, yep. <laughs> Well, that's the thing because you know how some, some, of the, uh, some of the holes like open up to one side or the other and it may mm-hmm. be a shit shot, but there might yeah. be a net there, you know, separating <laughs> you from a street. Or, you know, there's so much more wiggle room on the right, which is traditionally the slice, which, you know, everybody struggles with. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. You're a fucking liar if you say you don't. (laughs) But if you can, as long as you could find the ball, it's a good shot in my mind. It doesn't, even if if you just shank it, it Mm -hmm. all depends on the lie. And I think that's, that's kind of the mentality that keeps me from just like breaking every club I have is that if I shank it, but there's opening, it's not a bad shot. It's, it's, it's in the woods and as long as I can find it, it's a good shot. It doesn't matter the yeah. trajectory. Cause again, you're, you're probably a good golfer cause you're thinking about like, where can I keep it on the fairway? <laughs> and I'm just I'm trying not. to pay rent by not, <laughs> in, not just throwing all of my money toward, you know, new pro V ones. So that's, yeah. that's, I think the listeners are going to get a sense of like who plays golf and who drinks beer on a golf course. Yeah. And, and I, I so I think I will say my favorite holes are dogleg rights. I think that's the right way, right? Where the yep. hole goes to the right. Yep, because you can you could go after it, and if you if you cut it, you it's all right. It's gonna it's gonna be somewhere near. Or that that hole, and depending on the type of course you're playing on, where there's two fairways side by side, and it's yeah. better when it's you know the second fairways to the right, but you can just unleash. And obviously on on those swings you tend to hook the ball because yep. fuck it, you know, yep. laws exactly. of physics don't work. Exactly. But you know, you, you just you just made a comment about Pro V1s and I just wanna hear a quick quick take from you. Does the ball really fucking matter at our level? Does it does it no. matter? Or is God, it just no. kind of a feel good thing? <laughs> God no. God no, I don't even buy those. I the, yeah. only, the reason I bring up Pro V1s, the only Pro V1s I play with are the ones that I find. 
Because Fine. I'm in the <laughs> I'm in the woods so much that yeah. I will it's it's you know, I'll spend a good two, three minutes in the woods where it's worth my time to say, let no. me take another 20 seconds and just canvas the area. Because if you mm-hmm. hit a Pro V1, first of all, if you're hitting a Pro V1, you're good. So if you mm-hmm. hit, if you miss one in a round and you lose it in the trees, you're not going to look for it. So what yeah. I love about going in the woods, as a side note, there's no chance of someone getting pissed at you for like looking at your ball. It's almost like I get a moment of frustration. <laughs> you know, the one time in a round I'll hit it straight because it's like, shit, I don't get to find a new ball. Because <laughs> anything there is someone else's. Even if you hit it into the rough, it's someone yep. else's ball. And then if you yep. pick it up, you're an asshole and the guy gets <laughs> mad. And and even if you're playing the same ball and you accidentally pick it up, it's, it's, it's an etiquette thing. So mm-hmm. you're right. I, I will I will probably never buy a Pro V1. They're like $2 a ball when like, yep. I, I even Vice, like Vice is supposed to be the budget alternative to like the good, I, that's even way too much for me. I like to sit around 50, 75 cents a ball, those real off-brand ones <laughs> that they Noodle. sell them. Not Go top flight. Top flight top is flight. where I like yep. to live because you know what I love about them? They don't even sell their balls in a box. They sell them in those <laughs> like- bag. They know they sell them in those paint buckets that they used to sell baseballs in. <laughs> That's you, incredible. It's, it's like it's even Kirkland. I just saw Kirkland start coming out with golf balls. That's yep. my new standard. Yeah, there you go. All right. So I think this this drives us into the unholy trinity about the worst parts of a bad round here. Oh boy. Uh, kick it off. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking at our list here, and and I'm tempted to start everywhere <laughs> because there really there's really just so many ways of, of of looking at this. But I think I think the one that resonates to me the most, and especially if you're playing with a group of people for the first time, and as as we get older into the business career, I feel like golf might be a business outing yeah. and this is the worst and the most terrifying thing of that walk of shame into the woods or like oh even just past the ladies tee or even just past your tee box if you really screw it up of just yeah i gotta go walk to my ball don't even bother with the cart don't even bother with a new club potentially i'm I'm just going to either pick this up and say, hey, I'm going to imagine I hit this 250 down the center cut <laughs> or, or or do the more terrifying thing of maybe, you know, hitting from that spot if it's a good enough lie where you have the potential of doing it all over again. And if it's late enough into the round, I think you just kind of say, fuck it. You know what? I'm done for this hole or something yeah. like that. Especially if it's the first hole, and then you got your you got your buddy, you got the two mm. randos, and you have the starter. The st- I don't know what it is about the starter that always just gets in my head. I've never, I don't think I've ever, maybe once, had a fir- a good first tee shot because that yep. starter is always a fat guy in a in a club cart, <laughs> just sitting back doing. Sed- he's Stanley from the office on a golf course. Yep. He's paying no attention to me, but there's judgment. There's yep. so much judgment just just piercing from those eyes. I I can never hit when he's watching me. Yeah, yeah. I actually I actually tend to do the opposite thing where my first drive. It just leads the other people to think I'm good because I'll 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 swing easy. That will be like I'll be like I don't want to throw my back out. I don't want to like you know tear my ligaments and my ankles. I'm just gonna swing easy, and it goes you know not very far, but decently kind of straight. Precedent. Maybe 
maybe a little and then people are like oh fuck i didn't know you know vj singh was out here tiger woods is out here i don't know and i'm just like shut shut the fuck up asshole like you know just like let's move on with this round because you're gonna see me in the woods for the next six hours so fuck off oh my god oh i'll take uh i'll take the second piece and uh I think I think the second part of this trinity is uh, you know let's let's say you got that first shot off the tee and it's it's somewhere playable you don't have to drop you uh, you found the ball somewhere even if you do drop but it's uh, and we've all been there you know you line up your iron shot you take a seven iron from you know 165 out and you're trying to get it on the green and you take three or four practice swings you take a nice you you clip the grass on the on the practice swing you're getting ready for a nice divot. And you just absolutely skull fuck the ball. And you look down and your club, there's, it's not the divot your club made. It's the yep. divot that your ball just drove into the ground because you sculled it. Yep. And there's like a, a trail three to five inches in front of you of where the ball just skid along the ground. It went about, I don't know, 35 feet because it's just, you know, fighting the earth. Yep. And you're just looking down at it. you can't you can't look up because you you know you took 12 15 practice swings cuz you're 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 afraid your fear of god is just everyone watching you and you have to look back at them because you have mm-hmm. to hit again because golf yep. is one of those sports that rewards the loser. Hey listen, you hit the ball <laughs> shortest, guess what asshole, you're up. You you're hit again. Up. Oh shit, you shanked it 3 feet forward, 25 feet to the left. <laughs> Guess what? You're hitting again. You, you you sculled it. It's still 35 yards off the green, even though you were 36 yards out. You're hitting again. So no. it's it's just looking down, knowing you suck. And that's that's yeah. number two on the holy, the unholy yeah. trinity. And and it happens every single round. There's no every way of round. avoiding it. Every, every round, possibly every round. hole, possibly every mm. hole. Yeah. Um. So the last one hits home to me a lot, uh, and especially because I realized the last time I was out on the golf course, I purchased, and you know, when I say I, because I was a young child at the time, my dad purchased the current putter I have, a Ping Blade putter, about 13 years ago, and I just realized that there's no there's no sweet spot left in it at all. The whole <laughs> thing is just a dead weight that I have to putt with. So I have to find a new putter, and this brings us to kind of rounding off the trinity, bearing the weight of the world's problems on your shoulders as you leave putt five feet short, and uh, sorry, a five foot putt short, and sometimes you leave a five foot putt five feet short because you just <laughs> tap it because you think it's gonna roll down the hill a lot and it goes nowhere. But I think I think the worst part about it is is you know. It's the hope, and it's always a par putt after a tough yep. round. You somehow yeah. gotten there, or like you hit, you know, incredible stroke of luck. It bounced off a cart, and it's kind of ended up on the green. You have a birdie putt from like twenty feet away, and your first putt is pulled up five feet short, and you're walking up there feeling good about it, and you just leave it hanging, and it's just like, you know, 
your manhood's question at that because depending on who's in the gallery and by the gallery I of course mean who you're playing with if you're playing with you know family it's that typical ah come on hit it like no shit jackass I hit it, I, <laughs> I hit it less hard because I enjoy doing this or if you're with a bunch of chads they're like oh you're such a pussy man I fucking hit it Ruth and you're like all right, cool, man. I'm just trying to, you know, not jump into the water here and, you know, end my life because I can't putt the ball. But it's just that's such a tough feeling. It's such a tough feeling. Oh, God, my foot is my foot is shaking just thinking of that because because it, it happens every round. You you mm-hmm. have one opportunity at a birdie like every round. And it's like if, if you're if you're if you're it's your seventh shot on a par three you magically hit a 15 foot putt you're like oh I saved seven over but the yep. one time you need to hit <laughs> you need to hit a five footer and you leave it four and a half feet short ah yeah it's it, yep. oh, it's just so frustrating but yep. um I'll give you I'll give you a bonus I'll give you the creme de la creme you know we got the unholy trinity we'll just kind of tie a bow on all of it with a with a little bonus of the round is done you're 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 nice and you're nice and buzzed you're nice and lubricated from all the uh from all the cart sodas mm-hmm. and you just you just tallied up your score and you're sitting at you're sitting at a pretty hundred and twenty four for the day you know everyone's <laughs> everyone's so, but you know. You know, in the back of your mind, you're going to be right back there same time next week on that first tee box because you're a fucking glutton for punishment. And I'll leave you, I'll leave you on this. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's, that's golf. And that might just be our podcast as well. We keep recording these things and expect more people (laughs) to listen. So I think that's a perfect note to end this show on. All right, well, that ends our show, and we want to thank the six of you that made it to the end again, even though the average retention is about a minute and 13 seconds. We know we lost a lot of good soldiers. We know we lost a lot of good soldiers on the way here, but we aim for a mark. We hope it's shorter. We don't know. We just recorded it. We pray to God that it is, and we're really grateful for you guys listening. Thanks. Thanks.